All right, we got another review show for you today, talking a very exciting North London derby that included a worldie of a goal, a red card, some chippiness, and a lot of frustration. We also touch on a big match in regards to the significance of the top four race between Manchester United versus West Ham, plus touch on other notable results, a lot of draw points for the teams that are fighting for that final top four spot. It's getting spicy. Oh, and we sneak in some fun facts about Mr. Jamie Vardy's pregame diet. So this is the Two Touch Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Douglish, and as always, I'm joined by Tim Bones Bouts. Welcome to episode 33. Let's get started. All right, welcome back. We got another match review today. We're talking North London Derby, United versus West Ham, and a few other notable results. But before we get into that, I just wanted to bring up a funny storyline that came around this, uh, got circulated this past week. The topic, Jamie Vardy. And no, not, it's not about Vardy's amazing goal scoring record. I'm, I'm, I think he had a couple goals today. Or Yeah, Lester played today, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Regardless, not what we're here to talk about. It was a quote that got circulated. I don't know what year it was from. It might it might not be a recent one, but it's it's a good one to bring up regardless. So former teammate of Jamie Vardy, uh, Richie DeLayette, he was quoted saying <laughs> he was uh, he was commenting on Jamie Vardy's, let's say, we can say pregame habits, pregame diet. So he was quoted saying that Vardy the night before a match would just crush pizzas and down pints, which like – we obviously have joked about in the past about various players, Vardy, I think specifically, but the fact that it's real is just like, it, let, let it soak in. It's just absurd. And uh, Richie DeLayette said that uh, the night before he, Vardy broke Rude Van Nistelrooy's uh, consecutive game scored record, which I think was that, I think that was in 2016. I think it was the, the season after. They won the league. Leicester won the league, but um, it might have been the same year. It was either. I think it was the same year. Yeah. Okay. So, either way, he said the the night before he broke his record, the uh, he he split a bottle. Richie split split a bottle of port wine with with Vardy. But when he, when he says split, he had one glass, and then Vardy drank the rest. And you're probably saying, like, you know, if you don't know port wine, you're just like, oh, it's wine, right? It's like red wine, you know. It's, oh, yeah, it's, no. It's, it's definitely not. It's a 20% alcohol, whereas, like, normal red wine, I think, is anywhere from, like, I think it's, like, 11 or 12%. Yeah. So he, he basically drank two bottles of wine the night before he broke the record. And, I like, it's just astonishing. Like, I drink, I drink like, two to three beers the, at night now, and the next morning I'm – I like don't even want to stand up. I can't imagine <laughs> playing a professional game and, and breaking records, breaking goal scoring records from that were previously held by some of the greatest strikers in the world. So, and this is also, this is a guy who's known for just aggressively running up and down the field and running onto balls in order to score. So if, if I were to drink two bottles of wine, I have the, the runs the shit so bad that i wouldn't be able to do that like i i would only be able to jump and even if i did that i'd probably throw up 
I don't get it. Like some people are just built differently. It's it's got to be that because he's and it's crazy too because he's thirty four or thirty three, something like that, right? And mm-hmm. he's he's still doing it. I mean, I think maybe he's lost a step or two, but the guy is still freakishly fast and so good at what he's doing. And he doesn't he clearly doesn't take care of his body at all. It's just like what the fuck? Like on the opposite spectrum, you got Ronaldo who is like his body's a temple and you know doesn't even put any like sugar or anything in it like i don't know it's just it's so interesting i'm like thinking about throwing up just thinking about drinking a bottle of red wine and then sprinting one sprint yeah yeah well you could try it out tonight if you want i know it's a school night but you know yeah well all for the podcast you know yeah that'd be great content let's see we should (laughs) give it a try okay that's enough of that just thought I'd like to share that with the uh, with the listeners, just because it's just it's so absurd. Like you think of that as being like footballers from the '60s, '70s, '80s. You know, at one point, like people thought cigarettes were like a performance-enhancing drug, so they rip heaters at halftime. But like the fact that Vardy <laughs> is still just like treating his body like a dumpster and still performing it's it's just remarkable. All right, enough and of that. You look at a guy like. Oh wait 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 wait! Yeah, Just yeah. one last thing. Yeah. So, previous uh, a, a, a one of the most prolific goal scorers in pre- Premier League history is Jimmy Greaves, and for the English national team, you look at the guy and you're like, this guy used to drink a keg by himself before he touched any field, and you can't really get the same sense from Vardy, but the way that he carries himself, you're like, this guy is is onto something. Like, it, it, you, you, I don't know what it is, but he doesn't look well, and now we know. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he also mixes it up at the pub. Like, you don't want to fuck with this guy. No. Okay. Jumping in the match review. Let's start it off. Big, big marquee match of the weekend. The North London Derby. Arsenal versus Tottenham. And I got to say, I, this match did not let down at all. I thought it was a very exciting match. So, final score, 2-1 to Arsenal. It had a little bit of everything in it. So, starting with goals. Lamella, of all people, <laughs> actually scored the first goal Jeez. for Tottenham. It was an unreal worldy of a goal, a Rabona tucking it inside the post. I mean, as much as I hate this guy, this goal is objectively amazing. And also what it meant for the match, it was it at the time was super significant because Arsenal was dominating and then just in the like absolutely dominating. Like Tottenham couldn't get anything going. Then in the 33rd minute, uh, Lamella pulls off his bullshit goal. It's just like the most gut punch, like ultimate Arsenal thing to happen right now. But to their credit, they turned it around. Bones' boy, Odegaard, leveled it just 11 minutes later. His first goal for the club. Big time thing. It wasn't anything amazing. It was, you know, and it got a little help with the deflection, but still, uh, it was it was huge for the match, obviously. Got him leveled uh, just before halftime. And then in the 64th minute, Arsenal were awarded a PK, which Lacazette buried. So, other than that, a lot of craziness. So let's see. Big news just before, about an hour before the match, is Aubameyang was not starting, and it turns out it was for disciplinary reasons. the The report as of now is that he was late for a team meeting, which was like one of many. So he didn't get the start. A lot of Arsenal fans are freaking out about this because your best player, your captain, getting benched in the North London derby, questionable move. But fortunately, Arsenal survived anyways. What else happened in this match? Lamella 
scored the like a ridiculous goal, but also he did the most Lamella thing ever and got sent off in the 76th minute. Yeah, got a second yellow card. He basically just forearm smashed. Uh, I don't remember who in the face. Played it off like, oh, you know, what? That's not a foul. I was just trying to push off, but he like lunged at him and gave him a forearm shiver. So, you know, that's that's not gonna fly. And probably the biggest news for Tottenham of all of this, besides the fact that they just lost to their rivals, is that Son went down within the first twenty minutes with what looked like a hamstring injury. So those those can be fickle. Those can last a long time. Mm-hmm. No Son is a big deal. So overall, my impression or my thoughts was Arsenal 100% deserved this win. Tottenham, when Tottenham announced their lineup, I was like, yes, full sex. Like, it's just <laughs> they're, they're, they've been great. They've been clicking recently, scoring lots of goals. That front three with uh, Son, Kane, and, and Bale, it's just, here we go. They're really going to go for it. And they were just firing blanks. Like, they got nothing going in the first half. And in fact, they didn't start playing until really until Lamella got sent off in the 76th. Like the last 15 minutes was all Tottenham. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What was your What was your impression? Actually, specifically, what do you What do you think of Tottenham's attack? Because I had high hopes. Obviously, I just mentioned that, but it was just really disappointing. Yeah, it was lackluster. Yeah, and I I think it stems from you know beginning with the the tree. That at the beginning of the season, I thought was going to be one for the books, one that would lead Tottenham into you know a top two, if not the the top spot in the league. Obviously, Stone going down in the twentieth minute doesn't help, and having Lamella play on the left also not great. I, I as everybody knows, I just don't like Eric Lamella. I think he's a waste of space. So hats off to him for the Rabona goal. I will say though, I don't think I've ever seen a Rabona scored or a Rabona you know, assist, whatever, where the ball doesn't get off the ground. So that was interesting. Yeah, they usually get a little lift to it, don't they? Yeah, that was strange. But, you know, hats off to him. Lightning does strike. Lamella scores. But, you know, then he, he just comes back to earth with, with his red card. So, you know, what? ball don't lie, as Rashid Wallace would say. <laughs> yeah. um, Good reference. Thanks. But, you know, it was lackluster. I, I think that there are people, players that are more suited to come on in Stone's absence, like a Stephen Bergvine, but he wasn't dressing. Um, you know, it's tough. Uh, you just hope every week that they will be able to put things together. They seem like they they have been the past couple of weeks. You know, Gareth Bale has been playing incredibly well. And Harry Kane really showed up as the game progressed. But, and particularly, as you mentioned, in the last 20 minutes. But leading up to that, they just looked tired. I don't know if it was looking tired. They just looked like they lacked all creativity, which is not good when you're playing against an Arsenal team that I think you can exploit their back line. Um, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, I guess this is the Tottenham that we've come to know and essentially hate throughout this year where you get to a game where you're like, this is going to be spicy. They're really going to show that they're a top team and they don't. Yeah, it's. I tweeted out that this is like, the been the story of Tottenham all season, but it's the story of Tottenham always. Like, there's been so many times in recent history where, whether on like a very micro scale, like just getting excited for a match or getting excited for them for like a whole length of a season, 
they find a way to just let down their supporters. And yeah. obviously, like you can say that for anyone, as long as you set your goals high enough, you're always going to get let down. But it just it just felt very Tottenham Tottenham me, right? Like they were just like their their offense finally got clicking the past few matches. Everyone in front of them that's in the table that's pushing for a top four are dropping points. So it, they had an outside shot of actually climbing back up there and getting into the mix, but they just massively dropped the ball. It was, it was super disappointing. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of credit due to Arsenal. I mean, they, they just looked hungrier. Like they came out flying, they owned the possession. Anytime they lost the ball, they got it back immediately. They just cliche. looked like they wanted it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I'm surprised you haven't brought it up yet, but what did you think of your boy Odegaard? So th- I've been saying this for a number of weeks, per- particularly since they got Odegaard, but I love Arsenal's attack when they have Smith Rowe and o- Odegaard playing at the same time. And I, I-, I think this proves that it works. Um, leading up to Smith Rowe getting taken off in 77th, I thought that they were playing well off of each other. I, You know, I understand that – well, I- I'll finish with Odegaard. I think he's just very creative. He said he sees the field and he sees passes well before that he actually makes them. He he knows what he wants to do with the ball before he even even receives it, um, and before he distributes. This is something that you've knocked Martial for, where he doesn't start thinking about what he wants to do with the ball until he receives it. I really love Odegaard in that you know kind of ten position where he's able to facil- facilitate offense because he's not one-dimensionally he's not moving in a single direction he can play the ball wherever he wants and he can make the judgment as to where the ball needs to go for them to actually make the biggest impact moving forward so I I think that he's been a fantastic addition to to the squad I love that Arteta is not afraid to play both you know they're they're kind of both tens Odegaard and Smith Rowe in the same lineup because I do think that their offense play significantly better when they're both in the lineup. Yeah, I agree. And Smith Rowe had that cracker off the crossbar. That would have been a beautiful goal. Sometimes I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes. Most, time, most times you correct me and, and just like to embarrass me, but sometimes. Hey, listen, I just want to make sure that the listeners get the truth. Sometimes you need a little bit of a, a heat check, I guess you could say. All right. All right, let's go to the next match we want to talk about. Another one that I think on paper – there was just a lot of importance around it for both teams. So Manchester United versus West Ham. So going into the match, Manchester United's obviously second place, but the you know third, fourth, fifth place teams are just not far behind at all. So there really isn't a lot of room for error going into the last 10 matches of the season. Flip side, West Ham. West Ham's trying to win one of those top four spots. They... We're in the top four in recent weeks and then just slipped out because of Chelsea's good results and, and West Ham dropping some points. So this would have been, if they could get a point off Manchester United or if they could even win, would have been massive. So what happened? Well, final score, 1-0 to Manchester United. And the one goal was actually a West Ham own goal. So on the surface level, I think it was super ugly. It looks. It appears to be a super ugly match, but there's some good things I think came out of this. So, kind of flow of the match. West Ham came out very conservative and showed United a lot of respect, and I think honestly, too much respect. Why do I say that? 
Well, they didn't have a single shot on goal until I think Oh, sorry, they didn't have a single shot, not even shot on goal. They didn't have a single shot until I think the 60th minute, right around then, of the entire match. So we all know United's defense, it's not a powerhouse. So that's just unacceptable. United also got very unlucky with not, yeah, I guess you could say unlucky, whatever. They There's plenty of times that uh, a fraction of something, if it went the other way, it would have been a goal. So it could have been a lot uglier than than it was. So overall, I'm pretty happy with United's performance. Obviously, you'd like to see more goals, but they didn't have Cavani. They didn't have Martial. Rash was coming back from injury. So see how, you know, I, w- I was okay with it. I thought Fabianski for West Ham, I mean, although West Ham lost, that he deserves player of the match because he made some unbelievable saves. There's at least three off the top of my head I can think of. One was a... Greenwood shot from inside the box. It was curling to the back post, the left side, and he just got a hand to it and pushed it off the post. Then there was a banger of a shot from Bruno from outside the box that he palmed away just at the last minute. And then almost like pretty much a breakaway, Bruno was in, was lunging for the final touches to push it back, push it past Fabianski, and he got there just in time to stop it. So Three very different saves, three massive saves that could have easily been goals. So that was that was big for West Ham. Couldn't get it going in the end on the the their attacking side, West Ham. They did make substitutions late in the second half. That was much more attacking. Uh, ben Rama and uh, let's see, like Lanzini came on, and West Ham looked like the better team after that. So you know, overall, pretty ugly match, but huge for Manchester United keeping pace there's because of we'll get into a second but the whole group of teams that are trying to get that last top four spot they all drop points pretty much so this actually gives them a little bit more breathing room you know Leicester's still right on their tail with one point behind them but um overall yeah what would you think bones what'd you think of uh i'm interested in what you thought of west ham because we have talked about them a lot lately and they kind of looked like to me, they look like a bottom third scared team when, you know, they're a team that's really competitive for the top four. Yeah, I, I, they, they didn't show. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit different because Lingard wasn't able to play, um, given that he in his contract or the agreement is that he can't play against his parent club. That's a good He's point. really been the the guy who's been forcing their, uh, I, to a certain extent, resurgence in the, in the past couple of weeks. He's really been the guy that they've turned to for spark on offense for a little creativity. So I think it's somewhat understandable that they just didn't have anything going forward. With that said, they looked like a very pedestrian team. Um, And I don't know if it's maybe bottom third, definitely not top, top four, top six material. Um, You know, I think it's, I think it's fair to say that they just aren't a good enough team without a player of Lingard's caliber and Trev, Trev will laugh at the fact that I say Lingard's caliber because I've never been a huge fan of Jesse Lingard. I think that, you know, it's probably right that he isn't at United. I don't think that he's a top-tier player, but he's certainly West Ham's best player. Um, Without him, I I don't see them being able to make top four. And it it just – it's funny for me to think that a team like West Ham could be competing in the Champions League next year. It's it's just a very funny concept to me. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) It's kind of harsh. I mean, 
Yeah, so you just said Jesse Lingard is their best player. Do you mean their best attacking player? Because, I, I mean, there is quality on the team. Like, Declan Rice is a baller. Yeah, I, I, I'd say I, I meant best attacking player. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, sure. Declan Rice is, I mean, he's not world-class, but he's a very he's a class uh, defensive midfielder. But what does that really do for you when you need a, a goal? Yeah, we don't need to get into that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, Oh, so it's 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 an interesting point. So I have I have two things I want to talk about with this. I guess it's it's less specific to the match because you we you highlighted the importance of Jesse Lingard just now, and so it's an interesting spot because you said he he shouldn't be a United player, which I think if you're going based on historic standards, hundred percent agree because he he's just not good enough. But if you look at United's current squad, I mean. I would argue that he's just as good as um, he's definitely better than Dan James. I think he adds just as much value or is on the same level as like a Fred or even an average, like averaged out performance of a McTominay. So that's Hmm. like when McTominay has a fantastic match, you can see, you can see his, he's got high upside, I guess. Fred I think we know exactly what he is. And yeah. I think Lingard can be that that kind of a spark off the bench. Like uh, if we, for example, if we need to rest Bruno or if we go down a goal and we need another sort of attacking presence, he would be great. But that being said, the importance is, is very clear to West Ham, Jesse Lingard's importance is. So do you think, do you think this is setting up to a, an ultimately to a, um, a summer transfer? Do you think? Yeah, I, I think, I think that, that's got to be David Moyes' top priority. I mean, he was shedding wages during the winter transfer uh, period because he needed to be he needed to be able to revamp the the roster this coming summer. At yeah. least that was my understanding, and uh, it sounded like getting Lingard was not just a fallback; it was his primary concern going into that that winter transfer window, um, and it. It didn't seem it seemed to me like there was any hesitation about not making it permanent. Yeah. And I think it's a re- it, they'll get you know I think both United and West Ham will be happy with the agreement they come to. I I mean you think about it's a win-win. United it yeah it didn't it hasn't cost them anything obviously came through the academy it won't cost them anything to to sell them off. Right. But I think that West Ham will get them at a it, it will definitely get them at a reduced rate than had it been 2 years ago. And it, and it's a little bit less risky too because they know they know he fits in the system. They know what he does for this team. So, you know, sometimes you just make the transfer player doesn't fit into the system afterwards and you're like, "Well, shit, you know, here we go." Uh yeah, then- not 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 just the system but also the league. Uh I I think that we have talked at great length about players moving from other countries and those transfers just not working out. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it, about Timo Werner all the time, how he was playing in a... Yep, yep, yep. yep. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know you well enough that that was just getting started. We're, we're, that could have been like a 15-minute conversation. I'm not getting yeah, sucked well, in this right. time. The only other thing that I want to make a comment on, and I have a feeling you might be disagreeing with me just because of a, a text message that we just exchanged, but I was very encouraged by... Greenwood's performance today I think that for me that was a silver lining because he got to play at the number nine due to the injuries that United have accumulated and if you're not a United supporter 
it's probably not as obvious to you, but the the grand plan is to have him be like the striker of the future. But he's only 19 years old, and he's also very talented. And he can fill a void on the right, so he hasn't been getting a lot of reps at his probably his best position. So he got to today. He didn't get on the score sheet, but he was very dangerous the entire time. He created a couple big chances that could have easily been assists. He took, I think, five or six shots, which I think is a pretty good amount for your striker. He hit the post on one. He Fabianski made an unreal save on one of his shots that he, he palmed and hit, hit the post with. And so I think he was a little bit unfortunate today, but ultimately I was super, super encouraged by his performance. I think at 19 years old with limited reps in that position, that's kind of expected, you know, like it, that, that it's a little bit off, but if, I, I just feel like if United can get into a, some matches where they can just roll him out as a striker, get him more reps, get him comfortable there. It could be, could be big things for him. Am I supposed to respond to that? Well, I know you called him selfish, so. Oh, well, I, I've just seen, and you know, you know him much better than I, and you know, the grand plan, well, to the extent that either of us know anything about grand plans of major soccer clubs, you certainly know United's more than I, but, I've seen I've seen him go for goal rather than make a, a probably an unselfish pass that probably would have resulted in a goal more than I think I've seen other players on United. And you know, sometimes it just makes me wonder, although you know, for for a guy who Ole has said is the best finisher that he's ever coached, um you know, I, I guess that's what you're looking for. Uh, yeah. A guy that wants to pull the trigger. I was just making an observation that, you know, he probably could have made that extra pass. He could have, and I, I understand a goal scorer wants to score goals and that's what you're paying him for. So maybe it was just a throwaway comment of mine, um, but it was just an observation. Yeah. I, the, the comment the Bones made was that he seemed selfish. And my response was, yes, he is selfish, but in a good way. And then you kind of sent me the, the the thinking emoji, like, what do you mean by that? So I just think every striker, every world-class striker, not saying that Greenwood's world-class, he has potential, but he's not there, obviously. But every world-class striker is selfish. Like, you even look at – I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm bringing up Byron before you do. Levin, Lewandowski is an incredibly selfish player. Yep. No one gives a shit because he scores at a ridiculous rate. Mm-hmm. So – you know, it's just, it's a mentality. I do agree. So like one, one specific example in this match where Greenwood hit the post on a shot, he Rashford would made a run off his left side. That would probably would have been an easy, easy goal too. And I think that's what I was referencing. Yeah. That specific moment. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those cases where he, he also had a really good shot and was a little bit unlucky with hitting the post. So hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back and you said, oh, he should have passed to Rashford. But if, if the goal had gone in, which it, it probably should have, you know, if he just aimed it like an inch to the right, then we wouldn't be even having a, a selfish conversation, I guess you'd say. So yeah. overall, okay, let's move on to some other notable results. But before we do that, if you've liked what you've heard so far, then the best thing you can do to help us out is simply rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast goes a long, long way. We're still a very new podcast. We're still finding our way in this world. So any support would be great. Leave a review. Give us feedback. 
Uh, if you want to give us feedback, not on the review, you can also find us on Twitter. You can DM us, tweet at us, whatever. Uh, our handle is at two touch pod. So uh, we're looking to get better. We're looking to get our content to more people. So if you're liking what you're hearing, please help us out. Okay. Other notable results. Honestly, the matches going into the weekends, like the matchups are just, none of them are, are that enticing. So it's kind of hard to pull some, some results that are really worth digging into. But uh, the first one that is a notable result because of what it means for the table, Leeds and Chelsea, they drew 0-0. That was the Saturday morning match, and it was a fucking snoozer. It was brutal. I think both teams had less than one expected goal, so it was trash. Tuchel started Pulisic on uh, – Pulisic? Isn't Pulisic? I don't know. I'm Pulisic, having a brain yeah. fart. I'm having a brain fire right now. But anyways, played him sort of as like a ring, a wing back. It's just so stupid. Like, and here's the thing. He was probably the best wing back on the day. Probably, you know, Reese James came in for him later and Reese James sucked. Like, I just, I don't know. I think Tuchel got a lot of pressure for not starting. Yep. Starting him. But for some reason he doesn't trust him attacking and threw him in as a wing back. I don't know. It's, it's silly. I don't know what's going on there, but a lot of rumors are flying. Rumors that Chelsea uh, that Pulisic will move on from Chelsea this summer. I think that's probably all bullshit. I think he sticks around. He's he's not. I think he'll earn his. He'll fight his way into the starting lineup. I mean, they're not scoring goals. They're, they 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 are for everything they do well defensively. Chelsea, you know, I think that's like their ninth clean sheet in eleven matches under Tuchel, something like that, or ten of twelve, which yeah. is insane. But they just can't score goals. So yeah, get get Pulisic. Like a full match in the attacking top three. I don't know. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, and there was something that that came out from the or supposedly from the Chelsea board that under no cir- circumstances would they entertain selling him. So I don't know if that's yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know it, with and Trevor and I struggle with this all the time with with trying to discern what's true or and what's not um, regarding soccer transfers. But I've got to imagine, I guess we've both got to imagine that this is bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and also like he's been tied in the short week that this became a big news. All the rumors were him going to other Premier League teams and Chelsea's not going to do that. I mean, he's too talented. If he went to, the rumors are Liverpool, United, and I can't remember the other team. But if you add Pulisic to those two, you're just making them so much better. I, it, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, moving on, another big match. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. So there's this, these group of teams. Bones will probably talk a little bit about it too in the table review, but essentially Everton, Chelsea, West Ham. You could have put Tottenham in there. Mm-hmm. Those teams are all competing to finish in the fourth spot. They all draw points. Everton lost to Burnley which is just unacceptable. Just absolutely unacceptable. McNeil for Burnley. If you've never heard of him, totally fine. But what you (laughs) should do is go and try to see a highlight of his goal from this weekend because it was a banger, a beautiful left-footed curler just in the top bin, just inside the post. It was beautiful. Definitely, definitely a good goal to see. But this really hurts Everton's top four hopes. Lucky for them, everyone dropped points this week um, that they're really competing with, but 
this could have been a huge opportunity because Burnley is not the best team. And on the flip side, this is huge for Burnley because, you know, the relegation battle is heating up a little bit, but this is a well-deserved huge three points against a, you know, top third team. So good for them. Other teams to note, City won. They beat Fulham, whatever. It's just, it's automatic at this point. Bad for Fulham, who's in the relegation battle, but what do you expect going up against City? And then yeah. Leicester beat Leicester beat Sheffield United 5-0. Again, you kind of are like, well, yeah, a third-place team is playing against one of the worst teams in Premier League history. They should win 5-0, but Leicester is crushed with injuries, and they have not been scoring that many goals. And if anything, Sheffield United just packs it in. So seeing five goals was very surprising, and even more surprising was – Bones' buddy, Ian Nacho, with a hat trick. Yeah. How do you like them apples? Honestly, he hasn't scored for four seasons, so I guess he was due for a couple. (laughs) Uh, Is that true? Has he actually not scored in a few seasons? No, he's he's scored, but not the rate that – first of all, not the rate that he was when he was getting on the field at City. He was scoring at an insane, insane rate. I thought he was going to be like a decent talent because of those those cameos he made at City, it was just anytime he'd spell Aguero, he looked good. Yeah, and he, uh, I think at, at the time, was Leicester's highest transfer. Um, but in the past couple of seasons, so his first season with Leicester, 21 games, three goals. Next season, 30 games, one goal. Last season, 20, 20 games, five goals. And I guess he's actually scored some this year. It's 16 matches, six goals. But still, not what you thought from a guy who relatively big money transfer for a younger player and and for a guy that was backing up Aguero and absolutely destroying defenses. Didn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's most of what's what's worth noting here for the weekend. I, I overall I thought most of the matches were kind of boring. And I wonder with the exception of the North London Derby, I thought that was actually a phenomenal match. There's just so much going on. Very entertaining. Maybe not the best football you'll watch, but like shit was happening every 10 minutes. That was newsworthy. So that was a great match. Everything else just kind of either went as expected or, or maybe was a little bit lackluster, but that being said, there's, Oh, I wonder, do you think that's, do you think everyone's just getting tired? Possibly. And at this point, everybody's got injuries. So, I mean, I think obviously the cities of the world, their, their bench is an absolute joke. So it's not only no that, one... they're all healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. And, and their most prolific goal scorer in history is now healthy. So, yeah. you know, great for everybody else. It, it's just unfortunate that all the other teams, even if they did have, you know, relatively strong benches, I think Chelsea is probably the only one in that regard. Maybe United, maybe. Yeah. But everybody's limping to the to the finish line. In particular, Liverpool. I mean, that's just sad to watch. But also great to watch. I was going to say. I don't know about sad. All right. So, <laughs> before we wrap it up, Bones, why don't you give the good people a table review? Give us the picture of the landscape of, of the league after a kind of a bleh weekend of matches. Sure. Thanks, Trev. So City are staying atop and really pushing their lead further and further from the number two spot of United. But 
City, top spot, 71 points. United, with their win, stays in second with 57 points. Leicester just trailing with 56 points in third. Chelsea is currently sitting in fourth, although as Trevor alluded to, it's a pretty solid logjam in that four to seven range. So Chelsea currently has 51 points. However, West Ham, Everton, and Tottenham, which are five through seven, are all sitting, all have a game in hand and are at 48 points, 46 points, and 45 points respectively. Now, one thing that, I mean, I guess for Leicester and United in particular, what's difficult is they also have a game in hand over City. Obviously, they're not going to chase City, but at least they, they, it's going to be a battle to the death for the two of them, I, I think. Then, if you look at the bottom of the table, you know, Fulham, yeah, they lost to City, as Trevor alluded to, or actually outright mentioned. That's to be expected. Honestly, Fulham didn't look that bad. You know, they had their chances. They just were outclassed. So they're still in 18th, still in the relegation zone with 26 points, but are two points behind Newcastle and three points behind Brighton with Burnley's win. Burnley edges further and further away from that relegation zone. But I do think that there's a legitimate chance that either Newcastle or Brighton fall down into that relegation spot and Fulham is able to climb out a la Aston Villa last year. Yeah, you you kind of just, if you get a chance to watch those three teams that you just mentioned, Fulham, Newcastle, and Brighton, Brighton and Fulham look like legitimate teams. Like, they're well-organized. Obviously, they lack the individual talent, but they're, they're well-organized, they're competitive, they can put pressure on any team. They look like they can win any match. They obviously have their issues, you know. Brighton can't score to save their lives, and, and Fulham, I, I don't really get Fulham. They... It, like they just always draw, it seems like, which is just it's weird. Um, but Newcastle looks like a mess. I mean, they're yeah. the, they're the opposite. They have at least two, I would say, decent talents on the team that have been basically just carrying the team in the same maximum and mm-hmm. and Callum Wilson. But they're just ugly. Like Steve Bruce has no idea what the fuck he's doing. They're just running around the field and hoping for the best. So I think, and obviously, anything can happen. But I think. It just looks like Newcastle would be the odd man out getting relegated there. Yeah, and is that, does that mean that Mike Ashley finally just says, fuck it, I'm selling, and leaves? I'm sure that every Newcastle fan, even though they get relegated, would be freaking ecstatic because he's essentially just put the club finances in a stranglehold for his entire time with the yeah. club. And, you know, for, for a club that used to be to a certain extent, Premier League royalty, they've really fallen on hard times. I can definitely see them, as you said, getting relegated. And it's also good from an American perspective that DeAndre Yedlin moved away during the winter transfer window, moved on to Galatasaray, where he will most likely be playing Champions League football next year, which will, will be great for his prospects leading into particularly the, the next World Cup cycle, um, which leads me to the last thing I want to say. And this is something that just flashed across my Instagram. Uh, it's a, a, an update for the U.S. men's national team. Not going to give a full update, but it's interesting. Brian Reynolds, who made a winter transfer to Roma, finally made his first team debut for the club today, which is great for him. Great to see him getting some minutes. He came on at the end of the match, but Reynolds is now the fifth U.S. U20 eligible player to play in a top five league this season. So the others being 
Matthew Hoppy for Schalke, Owen, Otis, uh, Owen Otisoe for Wolverhampton, Gio Reyna for Borussia Dortmund, and Eunice Musa for Valencia. So they are combined. They're, they're close to the 4,000-minute mark between them. So that ranks them fifth in playing time by, by U-20 national teams behind France, England, Spain, and Germany. Some really good stuff for the U.S. men's national team, particularly for U- young U.S. men's national team players. So, my God, dude, I'm laughing. So, like I, I can't contain myself. You, first of all, fantastic tidbits. That's 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 huge. I mean, the momentum for the U.S. men's national team is just ridiculous. But I can't help but laugh that you managed <laughs> in a single thought string went from talking about Newcastle selling to Brian Reynolds starting for Roma to dropping minutes played stats for U20, what was it, U23 national team players? Like U20 eligible. I feel like I feel like you, I could give you a cup of coffee, press record, and you could just go on for hours. Like, <laughs> it probably was, and it was like that's it's the thing it, it's not even like you have like this crazy erratic thought process like that was very well transitioned and smooth throughout the whole thing so <laughs> i was just like i was like i'm just gonna stand back and watch this is this is art let him go just let him go well, normally i'd be like well, well shut up i gotta that. go <laughs> yeah it's true it's true all right i just well, gotta keep feeding feeding the fire just give the people what they want love it all right well that's a good note to end on for this episode. Hope you liked it. Again, if you did like it, give us uh, give us a little subscribe. You know, just you'd make Bones happy, and you know what? I'm so mean to him that you guys need to help out and think <laughs> up his mood. Give us some it's subscribes. True. All right. So for Bones, I'm Trevor. Thanks for listening. <laughs>